Hey guys, welcome back to the Bubbly Thoughts Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa Bromley, and welcome to day 17 of Buzztober. Buzztober is basically where I get buzzed and then read you scary stories from No Sleep Reddit, and you will get new episodes every day during the month of October. If you are someone who doesn't enjoy scary stories, um, th- these are not the episodes for you. Uh, this is also a, if you just heard a buzz, sorry, my dryer just stopped. Sorry guys, that was probably really annoying. I digress. So if you're somebody who doesn't like scary stuff, this isn't for you. I think I already said that. So I also try to give trigger warnings where I can, but guys, I'm doing the best I can with that. Um, This is your warning now. If if you're in an unsettled state of mind or if there's anything in particular that's upsetting to you, don't listen to these stories. Um, You're not going to hurt my feelings. You can come back after the month of October or maybe just skip a couple episodes. Like I said, I'm uploading every single day. So you'll have a new opportunity to hear new things. Um, so let's go ahead and dive in. So our first story is a two sentence horror story once again. Um, and this one is written by user Jessam Gui. My wives are always trying to get back together with me. I'm going to have to start burying them deeper. So there's a life lesson here, ladies. Don't try to get back with your ex. Move on to someone new. I guess that doesn't really work here if they're if they're dead, but but anyway, you catch my drift. Okay, so we're gonna go ahead and move on to our short story. And this one was written in by user sprinkle underscore drama. This one's entitled Mrs. Lisa's Classroom Rules. I love these stories that have like the rules. I did one already that was like sleepover rules. I just think they're fun and great and spooky and kind of like nostalgic. Um, but okay, so Mrs. Lisa's classroom rules. Everyone quiet down. I reminded them from my desk as they worked on their craft. Mrs. Lisa's class of four-year-olds was so well-behaved, it always led me to wonder why she left them this list. I'd read it every time I subbed for her, and every time it was the exact same. Today, it had accidentally fallen in the trash before I ever got here. I was fairly confident I still remembered it word for word, though. Hey girl, thanks for watching my youngins. Here's a list of rules to help you out. Number one, keep the hall lights on at all times. We don't want anyone getting hurt because they couldn't see. Number two, I actually can't remember two. Oh well, they're all really odd rules anyway. Number three, no kids in the bathroom alone. Always use the buddy system. Number four, the code for the door is 2468. No one gets in or out without it. Number five, snacks need to be kept at the table or in the trash, nowhere in between. Left out food attracts mice and stuff. Number six, if you get a headache or become overly hungry, take the kids outside. This should help. Number seven, if anyone from room three asks you to watch their class for a sec, tell them you're busy. There's no classroom three. And number eight, report any unattended children to the office, but don't bother with them. They ain't your job. Shaking my head, I looked to my side just in time to see a little girl walk by. I sighed and stood up. I'd take her back to class and whoever wasn't watching her wouldn't have to get in trouble. I'll be right back, guys, I told the kids stepping into the hall. I feel a headache forming and decide I'll take the kids to the playground after I return this girl to her teacher. Hey, I called softly. Maybe she was just going to the bathroom. I don't see her anywhere. I opened the door to check and call her again as I'm going down the hall. 
After checking each classroom and finding them empty, I think I must have imagined it. I glanced into the hall closet as I'm walking by without breaking my stride. What kid would want to go in there anyway? It's just mops and brooms. Miss Jess? Jackson asked as soon as I'm back in the room, and I pinch the bridge of my nose. My head really does hurt now. Miss Jess, who was that girl? He asks. Uh, I don't know, I respond. Sudden hunger pangs, making my voice come out almost in a groan. In typically four-year-old fashion, they all start asking questions then. I still manage to hear a door creak open from somewhere in the building. As I look into the hall, the color drains from my face. I remember rule two. Make sure all doors in the building are closed upon arrival, including closets. <laughs> all right, so like, I have a lot of friends who are teachers um, and I mean, they have like the best stories. I don't know if anybody else listening to this is a teacher or who have friends who are teachers as well. It's always so fun listening to the stories that they have to share. Um, it's fantastic. I've heard some of the funniest things. Um, so I, I love a good story, um, let alone a spooky story coming from a classroom for sure. So very, very well done. Uh, I like that it was done in such a short fashion and kind of leads a lot to the imagination with that kind of ending. So we'll go ahead and move on to our long story. This one is written in by user Pippinacious, and it's entitled The Limping Woman. You hear the uneven footsteps first. Drag, click, drag, click. That's how you know she's behind you. The heel is broken off of her shoe, and she drags it across the ground with every step. A sharp contrast to the steady click of her still intact pump. Help me, she whispers. It's an urgent, anguished plea. Please, I'm hurt. Help me. Don't turn around. That's when she gets you. Don't run. She still gets you. But this time she's going to make it hurt. At least that's the rumor anyway. Every small town has at least one a local urban legend that everyone knows and swears is true because their sisters, best friends, cousins, neighbors, grandson, knew a fella who actually encountered it. Ours was the limping woman, so named for her aforementioned distinct gait. It was said that she was a teacher at the elementary school some decades ago, young, beautiful, and the victim of a terrible murder. She had been walking home to the house she shared with her parents one night after school when she realized she was being followed. She sped up and so did her pursuer, until they both were running down this dark country lane with only open farmland on each side. Her heel broke and her ankle snapped, and she fell and her pursuer became the murderer. It was a slow, torturous affair that left her beaten and covered in stab wounds, and when the killer was done, he just left her to bleed out beside the road. She wasn't found until the next morning, and by then, all anyone could do was search for the person responsible. While some believe the man was caught and dealt with not long after, others think he or she is still at large, and the limping woman, as the victim came to be known, won't rest until her killer is caught. I was always skeptical at best of the story. I'd passed the spot where she was supposed to appear a hundred times without incident, as did everybody else I knew. If a murderous ghost lived there, I was pretty sure I'd have seen her. I said as much to my friend Steffi when she brought up that a friend of a friend of a friend had met the limping woman during lunch at school one day. It's true. She was out on the old highway a couple nights ago and saw her. 
Steffi insisted stubbornly over our lunches. If she actually saw her, wouldn't she be dead? I asked. I thought you weren't supposed to turn around. Heard her, whatever, you know what I mean, Rena. Sure, I said with a roll of my eyes. It always frustrated Steffi that I didn't share her willingness to believe the unbelievable. So how'd she get away? She said the words, duh. Oh, right, the woman's last words. Last words we all somehow know without ever having caught the person who would have heard them. We know them because the real killer was never caught. He told people who told other people. And we all just magically knew to use them to ward off being killed, I finished for her. Steffi frowned. She loved all things spooky and supernatural, and had spent a lot of time researching our local legends, especially the limping woman. It's not magic. It just reminds her of her own mother, and she gets distracted by her grief and leaves you alone. Okay, all right, I said, hoping that that would be enough to put an end to the topic. It was an argument neither of us would win, and I just didn't really feel like getting into it again, whether or not it was a ghost or the whole thing was real altogether. At 15, it was starting to feel silly, to be honest. Steffi, however, wasn't going to let me off so easily. They say she remains because they got the wrong guy, and she's angry about it. Like, everyone knew it, but no one cared because they wanted to blame someone. Don't you feel at least a little bad for her? She's still waiting for justice after all this time. Steffi. She only goes after people who don't believe in her, you know. I didn't like the way Steffi said that. Like she had an idea forming that I would not approve of, and I shook my head. Whatever it is, no. We could go out there, out to the spot she haunts. No, don't be dumb, I said. You don't believe anyway, so what's the big deal? I've walked past there a lot, okay? Nothing's ever happened. Have you gone after dark? Steffi had started to smile. No, but so what? That's when she's active. Going in the day doesn't count. This is dumb, I said again. We'll go tonight. Every argument I had met with questions of whether I was too afraid and Steffi mocking me for being chicken. She kept it up for the rest of lunch, through our shared science class, and then passed me notes in the halls between classes after that. By the time the first bell rang, she had worn me down. But not because I believe she's there, I made sure she knew. I'm just going so you shut up. The sun set just after five that evening. At seven, we met up on our bikes in front of my neighborhood. Her parents thought she was doing a project at mine, mine thought it was at hers, and we had two hours to ride out to the farm where the limping woman was said to haunt and get back before they started trading phone calls. We pedaled hard and fast, leaving behind the glow from the windows and street lamps until darkness swallowed up the world around us. With only moonlight to guide us, we wove our way around town and past the outskirts where the insects were louder, the stars were brighter, and the safety that came from feeling like you were surrounded by people fell away. It was hard not to feel entirely exposed out on that old road where the flat fields rolled off into the distance on the other side. There was the occasional barn or farmhouse set a ways off down long dusty drives, but otherwise it was really just us and our bikes. Up ahead, Steffi said from behind me, see the cross? That's the marker for her. We skipped to a stop a few yards away from it and exchanged a glance, almost lost in the shadows. Scared? She asked, breathless with excitement. No, I said. It was an honest enough answer. I was nervous, sure, but who wouldn't be when you're outside after dark? Remember, if you turn around, she gets you. If you try to run, she just makes it worse. Just stand still when she's close by and say the words. Steffi spoke so seriously that I had to stifle a giggle. It was ridiculous. 
I kept trying to tell that to all the butterflies stirring in my stomach, but it didn't do so much good. We climbed off our bikes and set them on their kickstand. Steffi groped about for my hand and entwined her fingers with mine. She was shaking. Ready? Let's just get it over with, I replied. We walked up to where the cross was placed and paused. Steffi squeezed my hand and took in a slow, shuddering breath. Her fear was starting to have an effect on me, quickening my heartbeat. But I squared my shoulders and clenched my jaw and took a step forward. We, we crept along the roadside, careful to keep our eyes pointed straight ahead. Steffi kept reminding me in a trembling whisper that looking anywhere else would lead to trouble. A minute or two passed. It couldn't have been longer despite feeling like it, and nothing seemed to happen. My fear began to ebb, replaced by an admittingly relieved giddiness that I had been right, and I almost turned to Steffi to say, I told you so. And then I realized how quiet it was. All the insects had been singing loudly when we arrived, and now they had gone silent. There were no distant calls from night birds, no breezing passing over us, nothing. Just the sound of our own breathing. To my surprise, Steffi sighed, disappointed. I wondered if she realized how quiet everything had become. How could she not feel how claustrophobic it had become out on that open road? How closed off we were in the dark and the silence. I wanted to ask her, but the question was like a knot in my throat and I couldn't untangle it. Behind us, grass rustled, followed by the crunch of loose gravel underfoot, like someone was pulling themselves slowly out of the field and onto the road. Drag, click, drag, click. Every hair on my body stood up at once. Rena, I hadn't realized that my grip on Steffi's hand had tightened so much. I could feel her eyes on me, but couldn't bring myself to look at her. From somewhere over my shoulder, a woman started to sob softly. Help me, she cried plaintively. Rena, Steffi sighed again. She, she's coming, I managed to whisper. Instead of being scared, Steffi snorted. Real funny. I get it, okay? The limping woman is just made up. I'm convinced now. You don't have to rub it in. Drag, click, drag, click. The unmistakable sound of someone inching towards us slowly, painfully crying out with each step. Please, she begged. I'm hurt, and he's still out there. Steffi, I hissed, tears burning in my eyes. She's coming. There must have been something in my voice a tightness that only true terror could cause that convinced my friend that I wasn't just pretending. She grabbed my forearm with the other hand and clutched it until her nails were digging into my skin. She only goes after people who don't believe, Steffi said. That must be why. What do I do? I begged, my mind white and blank. My entire body was screaming to run, to get away from that thing that was getting closer and closer. But Steffi's firm grasp and my own mounting dread held me in place. Please, the limping woman sobbed. Turn around, help me. The words, Steffi said hurriedly, you have to say the words when she's right behind you. What words? I wanted to scream, but I couldn't speak or think. I could only hear her. Drag, click, drag, click. The legend said you hear her, even her uneven footsteps, and be forced to listen to her pleas. But no one ever mentioned the smell. The stench of rot and earth and blood oozed throughout the air, slowly surrounding me and wrapping itself around me like tentacles smothering me. I gagged and pressed my free hand over my mouth and shook my head violently, trying to clear it, trying to make sense of things. Steffi was jerking on my arm and saying something to me over and over again, but I could barely hear her over the limping woman's cries. The smell was getting so strong, making my stomach pitch and heave until I thought I'd be sick. 
I leaned heavily on Steffi and she pulled me in close so that her lips were beside my ear. Through the veil of panic and nausea, I heard her scream, say the words, drag, click, drag, click. The limping woman was so close behind us now that I could feel the chill radiating off of her. The words, I thought I had to say the words. It just reminds her of her own mother and she gets distracted by her grief and leaves you alone. I heard Steffi's voice from the previous day echo in my head. Her mother. The words remind her of her mother. The limping woman's last words. Please. Bile rose in the back of my throat. My mother's waiting for me. The footsteps stopped and were replaced by a high-pitched, heart-wrenching keen. From somewhere off in the night, a dog started to howl. Insects began to sing again. The wind whistled across the field. Sounds of normalcy, of life. The limping woman continued to screech while I found my legs again. <laughs> With Steffi in tow, tore back to the bikes. I never once looked up from the ground. The only thing I saw as we darted by was a pair of feet in torn stockings and pumps, the heel of one which was missing. We didn't stop riding until we made it back to my lawn, and when we got there, I raced to the bushes on the side of the house and vomited. Steffi claims she didn't hear or see anything that night, but she believes that I did. She believes that I encountered the limping woman. I tried to come up with some kind of rationalization for it, like power of suggestion or something, but when I think back to those footsteps and those sobs and that final scream, I know that there is only one explanation. And now I too believe in the limping woman. I love a great urban legend. Um, if you haven't watched it before, there's like a really cheesy movie, I think like made in 2001 or something, um, and it's called Urban Legend, but I love it. It's so good. It's a great like horror classic. Um, so make sure to check that out if you haven't watched that before. Okay, so this episode has been long enough, so I'm going to go ahead and stop it here. Thank you guys so, 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 so much for tuning into this episode. I will catch you guys tomorrow, but until then, stay buzzed and stay bubbly.